0: From the National Press Club in Washington, DC, this is Update One, the club's official podcast. It features newsworthy stories originating from the NPC facilities, as well as broader topics related to journalism, communications, press freedom,
1: and transparency. Welcome to another edition of the National Press Club Update One Podcast. I'm Lincoln Smith, podcast committee member, and with this conversation, we are joined by African journalist Mr. Oro Ofori, who also happens to be a Ghanaian-American. Mr. Ofori is based in Washington, D.C. metro area. Welcome, Oro Ofori.
0: It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me
1: you are an award-winning digital media producer blogger freelance journalist entrepreneur and writer can you share with us a bit more about your career
0: yeah um thankfully i have a big enough head to fit all these hats on <laughs> so <laughs> i'm proud about that um i just feel like i'm blessed to have the opportunity to double in a lot of things um and you know um it makes me feel like uh, I, I'm able to give more of myself because a lot of people give a lot of themselves to get me where I'm at today. So um, I started journalism school at the London School of Journalism. And um, I, uh, when I graduated back in 2007, uh, 2006, actually, I was seeking internship opportunities. Um, so I landed uh, out here in um, the United States at the Voice of America in 2000 and, um Um, late 2006, early 2007. What I came here for was to just pursue an internship at the Voice of America um, in Washington DC. I was placed at the English to Africa service of the VOA where I was helping to um, report, um, sometimes produce write stories for the um, English broadcast to the African continent as far as the Voice of America is concerned. Now, way before that, back in Ghana, around 2005, 2006, I was writing for a couple of the national dailies. The biggest uh, paper that I ever wrote for in Ghana was the Ghanaian Times newspaper. It's a very, uh, very old um, publication. It's a print publication. And um, uh, they had the the Evening News, which is a pre-colonial newspaper, which I had the opportunity of writing for before it eventually shut down. The Evening News was um, a paper that um, those fighting for um, Ghana's independence, and eventually some of the um, uh, West African countries who were also agitating for independence from British colonial rule would um, write um, on. And um, thankfully, I happened to be one of the last people that wrote for that paper, and so that was great.
1: You are the founder of the U.S.-based communication consultancy, the African Dream, LLC. Right. Can you tell us a bit more about the African Dream?
0: So, the African Dream is an information and communication research consultancy. Um, It came about when I felt the need to be able to tell the African story from an African perspective. I felt like the story of Africa is very unique and needed to be told by people who really understood the continent and were able to present the nature of the continent to people who are not from the continent or outside of the continent. That way we can present a clearer and more better picture and representation of what the continent is about. And I felt like if um, you needed to get the job done, then you might as well pitch in and help do it yourself. Like they say, we're the change that we've been waiting for. So I got tired of waiting to see something like that and I decided to create it.
1: Indeed, you currently work with the Embassy of Ghana in Washington, D.C. Yes, sir. Under Ambassador Alima Mahama. Mm-hmm. What are your duties and responsibilities in this capacity?
0: So, I'm um, the consular officer in charge of customer relations at the Embassy of Ghana in Washington, D.C., you rightly said, under uh, Ambassador Alima Mahama. Um, she's points to notes the first woman ambassador. Uh, from ghana to be appointed to the usa so that's unique in its um in its own you know space Um, she's also an amazing you know um, diplomat She's done quite uh, an incredibly great job when she started out. Um, A lot of new initiative has been able to uh, kick off under her leadership, and um, I I think it's just an endless opportunity for um, the world to see what she has to offer as an ambassador. What I do basically is to help bridge the gap between the public and the embassy as far as customer relations um, and customer service is concerned. We are not a perfect embassy, But we are doing our best to be uh, one of the greatest embassies out there. (laughs) I I, I wouldn't say I was sent to fix the problem. I don't think there are are, uh, problems, there are challenges. And every once in a while, you know, someone is brought in to help, you know, inject some positive energy. And I feel like Ambassador Haji Alima Mahama is one of such persons. And I'm always, you know, grateful that she pulled me in to help, you know, um, champion the uh, dream and the aspirations she has for the embassy. So I'm the link, not not you asking Lincoln, <laughs> but I'm the link between the embassy and the public when it comes to that, uh, and that's what I do. Indeed.
1: You are a columnist <laughs> for the Ghanaian news websites Ghana Web, Modern Ghana, and the U.S.-based African Post newspaper. Right. Can you highlight some of your work with each of these websites and the newspaper?
0: So um, Modern Ghana and ultimately GhanaWeb are some of the biggest news websites in Ghana. Um, they, they, They try to put out authentic, and incredible you know, um, information regarding Ghana. And eventually, they've grown to cover most of the West African sub-region. And with the advent of the internet, they've gone global and uh, well-known by Ghanaians living in and outside of the country or in the diaspora. And so um, what I do is to help write. I'm a columnist, like you rightly said. I sometimes edit. I proofread. I uh, do some copy editing occasionally. Um, and I have respective columns with these respective news websites and um, with the African Post, which is a newspaper, um, I started working with them in some light uh, on the ongoings and activities within the respective African communities in the Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia areas, and then recently roping in New York and um, the Carolinas and, you know, wherever there is news about, you know, um, Africa and bias in uh, their bias towards Ghanaians, but then, you know, uh, after existing for all this while, they become a welcoming, you know, um, um, uh, home for other, you know, respective African countries to share their, uh, um, their news stories and ideas and announcements and all that amazing stuff.
1: Let's go back to 2018. Yeah, uh, that year mm-hmm. you were recognized for the production of over 59 episodes yeah. of the African Dream Show. Yeah, and that's aired on Fairfax, Virginia Public Access Television Indeed. Channel 30. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about the episodes for which you received the awards?
0: So, um, so as far as my show on Fairfax Public Access is concerned, as we speak today. Um, uh in uh, 2022 of August I have passed 80 episodes so it's it's been quite a milestone you know like um, I started this out in um, Connecticut my wife is originally from Wallenford in Connecticut and you know I was taking a walk with her and we saw this um, public um, access radio station and um, radio and TV station it's a media house if you would say and I'm like let's let's walk in there and she, she's like what are you gonna do I'm like it's a media house I'm, I'm into media let's let's go see what's up so we walk in there and I speak to the uh, the manager and um, I'm like this is what I do uh, do you have any opportunities for me here and- they were like, yeah, and uh, literally back in 2013, 2014, the African Dream um, show was born uh, in Wallenford, Connecticut, and it didn't take more than uh, a year and a half, and we won our first recognition. One of my episodes being tagged as um, uh, one of the... uh, episodes that helps build and create diversity um, through TV. And I interviewed this um, young um, professor from Stellenbosch University in South Africa. He was in the US back then, and we just talked about the life of Nelson Mandela and all that, and uh, the station loved it. And they're like, let's put it out there in the, um, you know, in, 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 the, in the tournament and see if you uh, you get any recognition. and it happened just like that. We were recognized for being one of the most you know, diverse um, 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 show and program at the time. And then I moved back to the Washington, D.C. area and um, did the same thing, walked up to Fairfax Public Access TV, and I'm like, hey, uh, I have this show, and um, no more back there in Connecticut. I'm out here. You guys have any room for me? And they're like, yeah. And, You know, we picked up right from where we left off. We hit 50 uh, episodes and, you know, they're like, dude, do you realize you've, you know, produced 50 episodes of the show already? And I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, like, it's it's not just me. It's everyone that helps to, you know, uh, chip in as I, you know, do the production. And I'm thankful to everyone. You know, I, I feel like it's, I always go back to saying it's It's a blessing. It's It's just an opportunity that um, many people will kill for, and if I have it, I feel like I need to make
1: the most of it. Part of a recent post by you on Twitter says, quote, Compete with yourself. Yes, your yesterday's self. As a people, our real competition should be with ourselves and not with others, end quote. Can you expand on this post? Um, I think
0: your greatest enemy is yourself your greatest supporter is yourself so your your own uh victory um, flag carrier and your your own adversary. Um, which way uh, you end up on the scale depends on um, the kind of energy you invest in the direction you want your life to take. So, you know, and with the advent of social media where everyone is trying hard to impress and to, you know, um, create uh, an illusion or a situation about themselves that is not really what is happening, you know, behind closed doors, I felt like maybe put something out there and let people go back to believing in themselves to realizing that they are their own heroes if they want to win and to not always, you know, point fingers if they're not winning but to appreciate the fact that they have an opportunity to become winners if they want to. It's just how they want to steer their boat and which side of the scale they want to be on. So um, I'm like, you know, I, I, I call Facebook brag book. <laughs> it's where you go to brag. <laughs> but um, but pe- people are like, you, you, you make all this weird post. Um, you're very Afrocentric sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, I'm very Afrocentric because I'm a proud Ghanaian. I'm a proud African. And I feel like um, the, uh, the African story needs to be told, and if I have the opportunity to be alive and to breathe and I can tell it, I'll do my bit. And so, you know, just, just do, do the best you can in your own small corner. And, um, you know, uh, if you believe in um, karma and fate, uh, good will come your way. So just, just be your own hero. Don't, don't be afraid to take chances. And um, don't allow negative energy to, you know, hold you down including negative energy from yourself.
1: And to the African story, indeed, you're originally from Ghana. Yes. What is the level of press freedom in Ghana? Ghana is doing the best it can. We've
0: had our challenges. We've had our difficulties as far as press freedom is concerned. Um, But I feel like uh, we're in a dispensation where each government, as it comes and goes, is doing the best it can to um, enhance press freedom to make it uh, better than the former um, government uh, had it. But I feel like we're also at that place where we could do better, where you know we could um, um, create more opportunities for media uh, consumers and those who help, you know, influence the trajectory of the media and, you know, put in, you know, um, uh, opportunities that will help the pressmen and, dare I say, the presswomen as well, do their jobs effectively and become the fourth estate, uh, the fourth realm of the estate in all democratic dispensations. As a continent, what is the
1: level of press freedom in Africa?
0: Um, it's It varies, you know, like I'll tell you. So for um uh, countries enjoying the highest level of press freedom based on research and surveys conducted by Statistia and uh, uh, the uh, other world press bodies. Uh, I'll put, um, I'll put uh, Seychelles, Seychelles Island. Um, it's uh, it's in East Africa. It's a beautiful island nation. And Namibia. Namibia is also in East Africa. I mean, in Southern Africa, um, as... The countries with the topmost uh, press freedom index, um, and these these uh, countries are doing amazing as far as you know, uh, creating an enabling environment in which the journalists and the press and the media practitioners can thrive. And um, kudos to them. Um, of course, when uh, when there are you know instances where. Countries deserve praise. Uh, you give you give them the praise where they deserve a little bit of nudge, you know, to push them to do better. You you do the same. So, uh, as far as nations that have the poorest or most unfortunate states of press freedom in Africa is concerned, I'll I'll look at um, Eritrea and and Egypt. Egypt is in Northeast Africa, and um, Eritrea is in East Africa. Um, so, these countries have been struggling uh, internally, and I guess that's what is also affecting uh, the press in, uh, inside these countries and creating the difficulty that journalism and media work you know is, is, is faced with by you know practitioners in these countries. but uh, they're also doing their best, but I, f- I feel like they could do better and you know. Uh, We we do the best we can in our own respective ways. Thankfully, new um, and modern technology has allowed the opportunity for Practitioners in the field to still get that story out there, to still get the news out there, and um, you know that that is helping. Sometimes people do it at the peril of their own lives, and so I feel like we should be very, you know, um, supportive of the work of media practitioners, the press in general, you know, and we should realize, uh, like I had said earlier, on the, the the press, the media is the fourth realm of the estate in a democracy, and so. Besides the judiciary, the uh, executive and the legislature, we need to also afford the media the not only the respect it deserves, but the enabling environment within which it can carry out its mandate to the
1: people. With the advent of the Internet, could it be said that the level of press freedom has increased in Africa?
0: It, it, it is increasing, but in very small um, portions. Um, the reason I say this is because there are certain nations that still make it difficult for um, journalists to thrive, to practice, or even to be. And so, but then uh, with the new media, the social media and everything, there are bloggers who are coming out there and who are wearing the mantle. And um, trying to be, you know, the 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 mouthpiece of the people for the people, and they're doing a great job. Um, others, of course, are in there for the clicks and, you know, <laughs> just for the follow and for the fame. But um, a few of them are doing a great job. Um, and I'd like to mention um, this uh, this young amazing man in Nigeria. He's known as Omojua He's an amazing guy doing an amazing, you know, work in the media. This young woman in Ghana, Jamila Abdullah, she's doing, you know, awesome. This young man in Ghana, Amaya Deborah, he's an amazing blogger. He's gone, you know, global with his work. And there are lots and lots of other people that I can mention that I want to be like when I grow up.
1: <laughs> what is considered the mainstream media in Africa?
0: Uh, straight out, I'll say television, you know, television. Um, because the, the the level of education, as far as the world sees education, uh, in my opinion, where you have to go through like formal training through a school system to become educated, uh, is is not um, rampant. Um, we uh, most of uh, as Africans are highly educated in our own. Norms and in our own traditions and in our own customs that, you know, Westerners and probably non-Africans might not consider as education, but it's still education in an amazing way, you know. And so, you know, like um, uh, because of some somehow the lack of education as meets the Western standard is uh, limiting. So people will not tend to read a lot, and thanks to social media, it's helped worsen the situation where the attention span becomes very limited. Everyone everyone wants what they want, and they want it now, and they want it their way, and so, they can easily get distracted or become bored, and and, and that, that also, you know, uh, limits the uh, access to knowledge, education, and information. But these same things that create the debilitating effect on the, the press also have come in to help, you know, um, boost and enhance it. You know, people are organizing, people are realizing that they can use social media to reach the world if they know how to organize it, if they know how to channel, and if they know how to use these respective social media resources at their disposal, at their fingertips.
1: (laughs) And with that in closing, can you further spotlight what you believe the overall changes, really the biggest ones, are that you've observed over time with both print and broadcast media in both Ghana and Africa?
0: What quickly comes to mind is the fact that um, the uh, internet has allowed you know, uh, the spreading of the tentacles of the print and electronic media in Africa uh, much wider is reaching more audience because, like, for instance, the national um, newspapers have uh, now online extension where people can go to read stuff. The art of newspapering has taken a hit. Um, it's 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 not dead, but it's it's dying, especially um, in in Africa. And and so you know, like, these uh, outlets that are traditional and excuse my language, old school realize that they need to catch up. And so they are taking advantage of, you know, online, you know, platforms to uh, exert and push themselves out there. Lots of them are paying attention to social media as well. What happens on Facebook? What happens on Instagram? What happens on Twitter? What happens on TikTok? Oh, my gosh. I feel like I'm too young for TikTok, but then I'm 42. So I guess, (laughs) you know, like social media is giving uh, a very powerful voice to the youth and me- media is paying attention to that outlet, and I feel like these are some of the, the quick and immediate changes I notice, and it's, it's for the good, you know? It's for the good, it's, 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 it's giving, you know, um, um, everyone uh, a run for their money, it's, it's, uh, it's raising the bar, but of course, sometimes people take advantage of these good um, tools and outlets, and then we have the opposite as well, but you are responsible for your own story. So tell it in the best way you know how, and truth
1: would always win. With those words, award-winning journalist, Mr. Oro afori thank you for joining us on the National Press Club Update One podcast.
0: It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, Lincoln, and um, I look forward to um, future episodes with you. You have been listening to Update One, the official podcast of the National Press Club the world's leading professional organization for journalists and a vigorous advocate of press freedom worldwide. If you have any questions or comments about Update One, send an email to updateonepodcast at gmail.com.